keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me as always, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Scotty Chaplin, Andy (laughs) Cups, Robert Karpolis, and friend of the show. He's had two half hour specials on Comedy Central. He was the roast battle champion. He's written for a bunch of shows. He's my best friend in comedy, Mike Lawrence, everybody. Woo. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, thanks up, for coming Mike? on, Mike. Oh, man, this is fun. So we we got to get back. you a wrestling nickname. <laughs> I don't know. This is this is a big thrill for me because since coming on the show, there has not been a week when Scott and Dan are like, oh, we were messaging with Mike. Like, I feel like the stepdad, <laughs> but yet they're still talking to the divorced first dad. And I just kind of have to be like, oh, that's so cool. You guys are all just hanging out. And I'm just sitting here. I yeah, can text we, with Zach. We've had a wrestling. Instead of special delivery Jones, uh, special needs Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> we have had a wrestling chat for like years now. And nothing it is, outside of wrestling is discussed in it. I think if like if one of our relatives had died, we would not acknowledge it in the chat. <laughs> there would be a couple. We haven't. Like, be like, hey, Scott, sorry about your mom. Oh, thanks, bro. And then we would just go into like whatever new Kenny Omega shirt. Yeah, we yeah. would. We would somehow connect it to like speaking sorry, of she's burials. Gonna miss that, yeah, sorry, she's gonna miss that Young Bucks match coming up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about your dad. It's okay. It was only a two and a half star heart attack. <laughs> All right, let's get to the 10 count. Number one, we watched fucking Impact. At least three-fourths of us did. Robert, did you you check out Impact this week? I watched the Kenny Omega segment. I watched the Tony Khan video. I have no access to the UHF channel that this airs on. So uh, I saw the only parts of it that were probably relevant. Unless uh, Luke Gallows is on. You're definitely going to have a different opinion than we did. Um, You know, it just felt like it was a show... It felt like it was the dress rehearsal for the show they were eventually going to put on. Uh, there was there was nobody there. As far as, like, talent to sign, I mean, Willie Mack and maybe the North? I would say that's about it. It's not like, like, I'll get into the Kenny and Don segment because I thought that was really good. But as far as the show, they really cannot make this an invasion angle they just cannot do wcw versus wwe they cannot do their impact versus aew it's not a fair fight they don't have deep enough of a roster sammy callahan cut one of the worst promos i heard this year which i thought he was better but it was it was really really he was doing really, like nursery rhymes it was so bad it was very bad so i i don't really like originally i was like oh him and moxley would have a good feud but fuck that i've already seen moxley and kingston i don't need to see yeah dude he looks like the problem child he looks like the problem child when he dresses like the devil at the party and he's got like the little mustache 
<laughs> he's like he's like the problem adult. Like it's been twenty years since John Ritter's been alive. He's still <laughs> yeah. dressed the same. He's yeah, still I, just think, I just think he looks like he's selling roofies at the Warp Tour. But uh, Robert, my, my big takeaway from Impact was uh, I made I made a corny joke in our text thread, which was it's so quiet you could hear a pinfall. Then Dan says. <laughs> Midnight is canceled. You blank. Hey, wait, 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 wait! I'm woke now. Let's not let's not talk about that. Um, well, let me just say, let me just say, I think that I blame Impact because I easily could have stopped being your friend in that moment and be justified, but I had no emotion because Impact made me feel nothing, and I think it was breaking you to have to watch it. And it's like, yeah, it's okay. I, I was getting a kick at it. I watched it on Twitch. I think Dan and Mike watched it on Twitch. I get it watching it on Twitch because you can you could ignore the silence and the lack of anything actually happening by reading a bunch of comments, you know, well, also, and, and I'm sorry, Scott. My, my favorite comments were these guys who are clearly in the impact thread every week. And they were just like, welcome, AEW fans. I'm sure you will be delighted. You know, like, like kind of like, you know, like I, I bought snacks and none of us are coming back to this party. Like they showed up on free beer night and they're like, yeah. come back yeah. next week for, yeah. for full price Heinekens. We I'm heard, good, we heard pussy was going to be here. <laughs> this, this is why I shit on everything they did last week, because you're inviting somebody from a product that people actually seem to like, which is AEW, and showing them impact. I mean, if they did an invasion angle, this is the Globetrotters and the Generals. It's not even fucking close. But if somebody watched impact from start to finish, they would think Kenny Omega is a fucking idiot for even wanting to be associated with that show. And, and, And you have to acknowledge the truth that they filmed all of this stuff before they filmed that. And so it is uneventful. It's like, you know, they, they had no time to trim fat or, or showcase their best guys. It, it- Dude, well, th- see, that's, that's where I'm like, that's where I bump up against the excuses. Because if I'm Impact and I know AEW is going to be there on Wednesday and I have a week to prepare, I am using whatever fucking budget I have for 2021 and I'm putting on the best show possible. And if I can't get people, I'm putting on promos because this was an absolute waste of an opportunity, I thought. It just, you know, the big thing about it is it had to do one thing, which is very difficult. And it clearly didn't, which is be good enough to demand two more hours of our time a week as wrestling fans. And that's, that's there's already, there's already enough. And so at least this is the thing, like, I'm not the biggest, like, New Japan fan. I'm not the biggest, you know, Lucha Libre fan. It's just not, and, and it's just not something I'm connected to, but I at least get its existence. It serves a purpose. I don't understand the purpose that Impact, Re- even, even Power made sense because that's a niche audience. It's a specific thing. Hey, you like 80s WCW? I don't get what Impact is and why it's on. I, I, yeah, it so- kind of feels like, hey, we got this storage unit. And then so they just filmed things. (laughs) I mean, I completely agree. I will say the uh, Thanos character that Kenny Omega is doing now is awesome. And the Don Callis uh, Peter is working out splendidly. I was a little bit nervous he was going to be too much like Paul Heyman, but he's kind of doing his own thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, Don Callis. He's like too in love with Kenny for it to be like Heyman. Yeah, and luckily not being nearly as talented helps. So, 
Don's pretty fucking good, though, man. He oh, ain't I close to Heyman. I think Don's not, but I literally, my notes, it's funny you said that, my notes were, this is shitty Paul Heyman cosplay when I'm listening to him talk, but they gave them so much time to talk on Impact. I mean, granted, what else are they going to air? But it was like, it just kept going and going, and they said absolutely nothing. And then the next night on Dynamite, they did the same fucking promo again. So, Robert, and, and we'll jump around a little bit, I guess, but what what was your favorite of the two promos? Was it Impact, them talking for like 11 minutes, or them talking for five minutes on AEW? I think there were parts of the 11-minute uh, piece where they were much more relaxed and they were trying to lay out what they were doing and then it felt like on, on it was like the dress rehearsal and then Wednesday they were trying to get everything out there on TV mm-hmm. but you had the same moments that you were ending it with him doing the, the, the oh there was the a bunch guns. of like the same exact beats. it was the yeah. same thing it's like I, I get it you know they, they came up with the clever idea of you know I'm the invisible hand cool he said it 30 fucking times yeah yeah and then he said it again 30 more times the next night and then trying to make it seem like so don's plan was start a podcast five years ago with lance storm quit your legitimate job get a job as a new japan commentator then take over the shitty company that is impact do nothing with it in the hopes that someday Kenny Omega is going to be in a position to win the title. That, and this was their plan all along. That is He's what weasels do though. Weasels who have, you know, that one friend are secretly banking on that friend, you know? And, and when it works out, they go, it's us, you know, and any way they could weasel their way. in. that's why I think he works and, and why Heyman isn't this anymore. Heyman used to be this kind of character, this like weaselly, you know what? But yeah, but back in the hey, W, like the when we would watch the match against Cornette and yeah, yeah. But 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 he's he you know he he has way too much respect and um and he's proven he's a made man and I think Callis comes off like this guy who is just absolutely I don't know he's like a carny or something. I, so, His so biggest I like benefit that. is if they keep putting Tony Khan on TV, then Don Callis is going to seem like he's better than Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Khan seems like it's a fucking make-a-wish kid every time he's on TV. That that little commercial he did made – I love you, Tony. I know you're probably listening because he listens to anything and everything that exists on wrestling. Um, But I didn't understand if he was cutting a heel promo making fun of Impact for being like this small-time promotion or if he was being genuine or if he knew what the fuck he was saying. It was very that that was even stranger, and that was only two minutes long. Robert, I don't mean to sound like Vince, but wear a fucking button down, Tony. Like you're the CEO of a goddamn. No, I liked it. He's young. He's cool. Yeah, he's yeah, one he's, of us. If yeah. our dad also was a. <laughs> if our dad. I I like the con promo. I mean, this is okay. I, I would say a couple of things. <laughs> Scott also liked, you know, Jesse Eisenberg and Man of Stin, uh, Batman vs Superman. It's like that's my Lex Luthor. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I haven't talked to this second. I'll just say a couple things. First off, Scott, it's all carny shit. Everything is carny. That's wrestling. true. That's true. To Robert, you're not on the text because you would just uh, literally be a redundancy of me, complete with the Man of Steel references. <laughs> 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 I mean, you 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 talk like I text. Like I I I look back at the text that I send to Dan and Scott. They'll be like. It was okay. It was all right. And I'm like, here are the five fundamental points that are wrong with the impact <laughs> presentation. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think, think like if, I, if you and Robert were a tag team, your gimmick would be bad at parties. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're thriving party. during COVID. <laughs> we're bad at private parties. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to number two. I think we've roasted impact enough. Although I love Kenny on it. I mean, Kenny looks like Canadian flair. So. Oh, I was the the, the, the other thing I was going to say was um, the the Tony line of. Didn't you, you used to work here? And Giovanni being like, I did for one day and then quit the business for 18 years. Great. Definitely, definitely proves Robert's point that this hurt impact more than it helped. Oh, and, and another thing I just have to say is the, the fucking rich swan being told that he can't go near the oh bus. Oh my God, like, that was so painful. They that just was- chumped the whole company. That that wasn't painful to me because I'm sure. Look, I don't think he's gonna. If they do wrestle, I don't think Omega's gonna lose to Rich Swan. But I think Rich Swan will look good, and that's all that matters. What was painful to me was I know they filmed like they flew him there, and he didn't even meet Kenny. It was like, <laughs> Kenny was, you know, like Kenny wasn't there that day, and they just filmed a like, uh, which is mortifying. But hey, you and, know, the, so and the way that that Josh Matthews and Madison Rain promoted uh the show i mean the kenny announcement throughout just did them no favors in the sense of like dad's coming (laughs) home he's he's gonna be here like yeah it was very i'm gonna ask him the hard the hard questions that's what i'm gonna ask him the the hard questions yeah it, it was no good no good okay all right, let's get to number two. Uh, number two, Jericho and MJF make the New York Times, and MJF gets in a Twitter fight with Dion Warwick. What is the most <laughs> pathetic wrestling Twitter feud you've ever seen? Um, we'll start with uh, Scott on this one. First of all, I'm super excited that um, you know wrestling was in the New York Times. Uh, thank God they don't know Jericho's political opinions, but uh, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty great. Scott, what is the worst like Twitter feud that you've seen between wrestlers on Twitter? Uh, most disappointing was the Rollins Osprey one. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, it was when I was still pretty high on Rollins. This was like I think right before his Fiend feud, um, and I was definitely high on Osprey. And they both didn't come out great. And Rollins, you know, said he makes more money or something gross like that. That always bothered me. Um, anytime Tony Khan acknowledges anybody on Twitter, I don't think the owner of a company should be using Twitter at all. Um, I think we've learned that from the president. Yeah, not even fucking Jack Dorsey uses Twitter and he found yeah. the goddamn thing. Dude, yeah. I mean, I mean, even last week, you know, acknowledging AEW's rating and then also saying NXT's rating, it, it just, especially you see this week's ratings and you go, what 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 is even the competition at this moment? Right, it Mike, just it comes off silly. Mike Mike probably has multiple answers for this one. <laughs> I mean, I think Seth Rollins and anybody that that tear that, and I use the word tear very <laughs> generously. The tear that Rollins went on last year um, was really just our company's better. Um, I would you know what I would if I had to on answer this honestly it was the one that pissed me off the most was was Strowman's tirade about all of the indie scene oh yeah that was a good where one. he was right. like you're all a bunch of babies and just work and why are you asking for money now and all of this it's like dude you are not the hard working come from nothing wrestler that should be doing this yeah. <laughs> so yeah I'd say that um 
and uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of others. That's the thing. I know we the talk about these for a day, and then they're just gone from your mind. I mean, yeah. without a doubt, the most depressing one for me is like when a like Jason Sensations friends were tweeting like whether or not he killed himself. But like, uh, <laughs> the real thing I saw. My favorite thing that's ever happened to me on wrestling Twitter is that I made some Brutus the Barber Beefcake joke, and he just replied back, "Whoa." <laughs> he did. I saw. Robert, how about you? You, Robert, you you live on wrestling Twitter, so what, I, what, yeah, I do. So I had Osprey Rollins listed. Uh, that was when I was going, and then I thought, you know what, Scott's going to probably mention it, or someone's going to. Um, I, I think it's a. T- I think that the Riddle Goldberg stuff was depressing because I thought it was a work, and they were trying to build up to a match, and then I realized, oh no, no, these guys are just dicks who hate each other, and they're never going to pay this off. Like Brock ignoring Matt Riddle makes sense because I don't think Brock knows what the internet is. But the Goldberg Riddle stuff, the fact that this wasn't a work and that these guys genuinely hate one another is just stupid. Uh, the, the second would be anybody that has ever thought they got pissed off at something that I tweeted. Um, I, I always feel bad when I'm like, it's clearly a joke. Though I do feel bad when sometimes people respond in earnest, like Tori Wilson years ago replied thinking I was genuinely complimenting her. Oh, and she's no. like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. And I was just like, oh, I... I feel awful. I mean, I really don't. I don't give a fuck. Fuck her. But um, if I well, if I had her. feelings, what did Tori Wilson do to you? you having psycho? having worked in working with her, she was she was a challenge at the time. And I, I put that asterisk <laughs> with anybody because people could have be? bad was, days was she, was or she a months. Diva or something. She would yeah. She would be it would be challenging to try to like wrangle her for a pre tape and and make sure that she was going to do what needed to be done. And it was her and Candace together, Candace Michelle. So it was very much like they were living their gimmick, uh, in terms of hey, we're off on our own little world. And it, there's a level of professionalism because it is still television, and you have stuff that needs to get on the air. Right. Uh, well, uh, Tori Wilson, uh, don't listen to this. Number three, Mayweather versus. Logan Paul, Tyson versus Evander Holyfield. Is boxing going to become a total work? I guess I should preface this by saying that there's tons of people who think boxing is a work already. So <laughs> I guess that doesn't change much. What happened to Mike, by the way? I think Mike Lawrence just dropped off. Um, Robert, do you think boxing is going to become a total work? What's your opinion? I think, it, I think it's been a total work. Uh, I think I mentioned on the on the Patreon, which if you're a Patreon member, uh, you, you heard. If you're not yet, sign up for it. Uh, we touched on this briefly on uh, on Sunday, but uh, boxing is is absolutely a work in a lot of ways because it's it, it went from the mainstream top sport that existed to it's a fringe sport that exists on pay-per-view, and it became a carny operation because boxing is not something you can sit and watch on NBC on a, on a Saturday night. If you want to watch anything that's worth it, you have to lay down money to pay for it. And it's tough to build up fighters. So they need to come up with gimmicks to lure people in. And the way that you're going to do that is using celebrities or quasi celebrities, and then using the three or four boxers whose names you actually know. When I worked for Showtime in 2004, we had Floyd Mayweather, we had Mike Tyson. Flash forward to 2020, they're still names gun to your head can you really name five top boxers that exist right now who are legitimate boxers as opposed to like a freak show uh you know tyson and holyfield they're gonna get they're gonna draw money for it because they need the money and mayweather's gonna fight uh whichever paul this is and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a gong show and it's not like you're really hurting the sport because 
very few people legitimately like boxing and watch boxing and have the bank account to be able to follow the sport. And it's more humane than, I mean, at least now they're being honest and saying, yes, this is about making a profit. And now they're just like using millionaires to do it. I, as a kid, I used to feel like every boxer was stolen from an orphanage or something. <laughs> they all have like the saddest stories. It was all like some old white guy found them fighting on the street or something. It's fucking evil. It's re- it was like a really evil story. How much for that one? Yeah, now it's rich people fighting. Okay, good. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they got all the boxers from like Skull Island. Yeah. <laughs> you, you say that, but like we had a guy at Showtime who was fighting for us and they were, I was watching his video package and he was like he was an African child soldier like in one of like the killing groups. Oh my God. <laughs> and like he was rescued and like Don awful. King took him in and then he was I think his name is Kasim Uma and it was like it was this heartwarming story of like this guy who would like murder people as like an African teenage warlord wow. and now he's a boxer. That's wrestling, um, baby. That's crazy. Wow. Well, you know, like, you know, being a child soldier, you're kind of forced into that situation, but aligning yourself with Don King, there's really no excuse for that. It's unconscionable. Yeah, yeah. not cool. I I think that it's like, it's just, you got to get people's attention. That's what, and, and, and the thing is, YouTube got better at that than sports did. And so now you combine them and it makes sense to get this new audience. I feel like it's so you look at like Mayweather Pacquiao. That was the fight, one fight they could charge a hundred dollars for. They did. It made a lot of money and it wasn't that entertaining. Oh, it was so, bad. so, and then you had, you know, Mayweather and McGregor. That was okay. Here's another big super fight. And, at the end of the day, if the product isn't there, you're getting all these new eyeballs. Like you said, Dan, with the T, with the impact thing of stacking it, I don't get why they don't stack these fight cards and just have the best fucking fights possible to make people love boxing that are there just to watch a Pacquiao Mayweather. I, I, I don't think the best fights exist. I, I think there's there's no names, and so we they, don't they don't care. because a lot of them go to UFC. That, you know, UFC, it's the same reason why wrestling has suffered in a lot of ways, because a lot of guys that would have gone the route of being a pro wrestler go to UFC. So it's it, you're, you're going to get more fame. You're going to get more notoriety. And it's a lot easier to get noticed in UFC than it is to be a boxer unless it culturally makes sense for you. Like Cinco de Mayo, there's always going to be a huge fight because it's it's steeped in tradition and, and Hispanics love to go and watch that. But culturally speaking, the idea of you're going to go stand there and just get punched in the head is not appealing in 2020 for some reason. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, it'd be hard pressed for me to like, like tell you like the besides the 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 Tyson Fury fight and then the last Mike Tyson fight, the last time that I spent money on boxing, it just it just feels like UFC is kind of taken over. And, and to your point, like. If Francis Naganu like went signed with WWE, he would be world champion in two weeks. You know, like he looks like like somebody Vince would like drool over. So and, it, and UFC, UFC's become like a weekly program. I mean, there's a fight right. this Saturday. It's like every other Saturday, there's a new fight. You you yeah. can't keep up with it, and there's always going to be a, a cool looking knockout. Or, or, or a brutal injury, and, and that's all that really matters is like that seven-second clip that everyone can share for two months, you know? Oh, yeah, that's the Nate Robinson thing, yeah. Mike. That connected 
more, I think, than the the Tyson, you know, Jones main event because there was that memeable moment. For sure. You know, and, and it wasn't became too skilled to they, they became too skilled to avoid the ridiculous knockouts. When people think of boxing, they think of Rocky. And Rocky is completely unrealistic. You're not going to get that in any kind of real fight. An actual boxing Yeah, there's match- no such thing as a sympathetic Italian in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that would de- that would definitely be a, a dark documentary if Rocky was made now. <laughs> Were you saying, Robert? I'm sorry. No, no, I, 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 my, I think my point was just boxing matches in general are, are usually pretty dull. So for you to invest your money in it is is challenging, whereas UFC can be a very dull fight, but you're going to get 35 fights, and at least one of them is going to end with a dude getting kicked in the face. Number four, Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair appear in Punky Boot Brewster. me <laughs> <laughs> trying to say that again. Uh, they're doing a reboot. They're, they're filming it now. Uh, what wrestler and old show would be the first fit? I'll start off first. It took me a while, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Big Show and the Big Show Show. <laughs> <laughs> that got num- That did numbers, right? <laughs> oh, they canceled it. Ah, shit. Okay. Yeah. Which means it did not do numbers. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I did have Benoit and all my sons, but not sure. <laughs> Benoit and all my son. I think it should just be the Brady bunch, the Benoit bunch, and he's just the middle square and he's looking all around. Here's the story of a French Canadian (laughs) and some somas that he should not have taken. Uh, Mike, who do you got for this? What do you got for this? Um, Well, uh, let's pretend at midnight isn't canceled. CM Punky Brewster on Fox Sports <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every episode is the finale because he doesn't like how he's treated by everyone else on the show <laughs> then he comes back like Robert alright um, it's got to be an old show I, I'm going uh, I think the worst would be The Undertaker on the Golden Girls I, I think <laughs> <laughs> They're already circling death. Yes. Oh, friend. Yes. I, I think, you know, where to, Sophia, would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way he's gonna, there's no way he's putting over B. Arthur. Like she's a fucking monster. I, I mean, Undertaker and B. Arthur fucking would look a lot like that Goldberg Saudi Arabia match. So <laughs> Oh, Hulk Hogan, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. I come first, brother. <laughs> I get seconds. <laughs> Nick Hogan crashing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <R-C-W. laughs> that's, that's, that's the fact. Do you have one? No. I got a few. <laughs> I like the righteous indignation too. Like you guys went too far. <laughs> oh, also, also Chris Benoit, Family Matters. <laughs> yeah, Full House. Did I do that? <laughs> Scott Hall, Cheers. <laughs> With Jake Roberts. Yeah, Jake Roberts, Cheers. <laughs> guys, you guys Jake are Jake Roberts as Cliff. This, He's in a mailman up. <laughs> this is this is tasteless. By the way, it's Owen Hart and Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> the fall guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
That's enough. You. I have a uh, Bret Hart different strokes. No, no, this is no. It's gone, guys. It's gone dark in a hurry. I like it. Uh, Jimmy Snuka hosting unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Just like, hey, I guess we'll never know. Let's not look too into it. <laughs> Jerry Lawler married know, two children. Dino Bravo. It's just one episode of French Canadian Sopranos. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking great. All right, you guys all, uh, you guys all won that. Points for everybody. Number five. I guess we're still getting Roman and Goldberg. How would you book this, Scott? We'll start with you since you'll probably hate this the most out of everyone. Yeah, man. I mean, one, I wouldn't book it, uh, but since I do have to book it. I'm squashing Goldberg this time around. I don't care. Roman is too valuable. He's too interesting of a character. I, th- I think he might be one of the only reasons I at all check into WWE and tune in and see what's going on. I, I-, I think Reigns needs to kill Goldberg when he comes back because otherwise the storyline is Goldberg's the face and, he- and he's definitely going to mention that Reigns didn't do Mania and somehow that's a bad thing. Meanwhile, we all know that's a good thing that he didn't go. And eh, so, yeah, squash him. <laughs> I, I don't get why any modern wrestling company would bring in a WCW star from the 90s, but that's me. Um, <laughs> it was funny when, Dan, when you asked this question, you're like, how would you book this? I literally just wanted to write back, I would not. Uh, <laughs> This will only be worth it if Goldberg and Heyman cut promos in aggressive Yiddish. <laughs> I mean, I- uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I Roman should squash him. Yeah. Like, pay him what he needs. Keep a shirt on his son, please, and have Roman destroy Goldberg. Absolutely. I'm just picturing this uh, this Heyman promo in Yiddish. I mean, what kind of mishigas have you gotten yourself into? Uh, so I think that I'm I'm all in favor of doing this match. I think that normally the reason I have Goldberg around is to sell tickets because that's all it is. I think the way that I look at myself as a wrestling fan is if there's a wrestler I never got to see live and he was going to be somewhere, I would want to see him at least once in the same way you want to see a band before everybody dies. So normally that's why Goldberg makes sense. But in this instance, Goldberg is still out there as the guy that Roman Reigns was supposed to face at WrestleMania and it didn't happen. And Goldberg saying that, look, the reason you didn't show up is you ducked me, whatever he wants to do to to build up his character. And you not only murder Goldberg, you make it uncomfortable because Goldberg's not going to be willing to really just lose clean quickly. It needs to be Roman has him down and he's punching him to the point where there's blood where it's, it's getting uncomfortable, and whoever runs in for the save, which my guess would be Big E, is now a made man as the guy who's going after Roman Reigns. You've now gotten, you've now eradicated Goldberg for, for this. You've put something on Roman Reigns' resume, which is now Paul Heyman's whole thing. That was his whole promo with Kevin Owens is, you know, it's all about the guys that he beats. So let him build up Goldberg as, you know, you're, you're the guy from the past. You want to make this uh, a one-on-one fight? Fine. You're, this is your funeral and make it Goldberg's funeral. Now Goldberg will still come back in nine months when Saudi Arabia opens up the, the wallet and they forget about it. But for now, Roman bloodying Goldberg and somebody making the save, whoever that guy is, that's the WrestleMania opponent. Well, they're going to do the, the rumor is that they're doing it at Mania. That's what they're saying. But I think it, 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 that becomes whether or not they're able to sell tickets. 
So I think that if they're not going to really be able to sell tickets, they're going to have a limited audience. You do this at Rumble because why not? And then the winner of the Rumble, then it, then that matters to go against whoever Drew's going to face. I, I I saw some of those rumored WrestleMania cards. I saw that too. That was today, right? You saw that the yeah, thing that Drew dropped today. Yeah, Drew and Brock. Edge and Orton and Roman and Goldberg. It's almost like they're resetting last year's wrestling. Well, they're, they're, they're saying Drew versus Brock versus Keith, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you got to and, and Keith, Keith and Keith might be a uh, heel. Yeah. Why, the, why fucking make Keith Lee? Keith I assume that they were going Keith Lee heel. Right. Because I've yeah. got one reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, what they're... the guy is just a pure baby face. Yeah, which is why they're going to fuck it up. But I feel like what they're doing with Drew and and Sheamus and him is like the Tatanka turn when like Tatanka was all about like, oh, I think it was like Luger is going to turn or something like that. And it turns out Tatanka was the guy. Totally got me. That's SummerSlam. And I feel like Keith Lee is going all in on Sheamus. You're going to turn on him. Like, why would he give a fuck otherwise? Unless it's really going to be him. And maybe he realized his wife's in retribution now. So he should probably uh, align. Yeah. Was she on Raw last week? For the Patterson uh, tribute. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh no, she was on Raw. She wrestled. They had a mixed tag match with her and, and Slapdick. I <laughs> I watched the, uh, the 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 Patterson tribute, and they could have turned the Thunderdome off for three fucking minutes, man. It was it was so funny. Like they're showing everyone doing the ten bell, which they should have just ranked twenty uh, for Vince. And when uh, they cut to the Thunderdome, some guy just has his tongue sticking out and is like doing like a what's up face <laughs> just because he's amazed that he's on camera. It really was not appropriate. It seems like Pat would have loved that, though. <laughs> hey, look at him with his tongue out like he's so happy. I'm gone. He's taking ice cream cone. I don't know. <laughs> Seth and Becky Lynch have a baby. Cute kid. Congrats, Seth and Becky Lynch. Can you imagine Seth Rollins reading you nursery rhymes or like good night <laughs> though? How fucking awful it would be Seth reading good night moon to you before you go to bed. Right. I mean, he does put me to sleep every Monday night. So. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be Imagine brutal. Becky having to like coddle them both to sleep as they whine about shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's <laughs> never gonna give me five stars. This company. Don't worry, I'll comfort the both of you. It was it was sweet though. The baby came out with a leg slap, so it was uh, it was perfect. <laughs> the baby came out as just Hornswoggle's hand. <laughs> Quick, get it baptized before the fiend gets a hold of it. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, I, I, I hope that promo skills come from the mo- mother's side. Of the <laughs> she, I mean, I guess, is there talk of her eventually coming back? Because she really is like one of the biggest success stories of uh, that company in yeah. years. And they... The show isn't as good without her. No, she, the show would be better well, without has for sure suffered without her. Without she needs she needs to not come back because what they were starting to lose how to book her character, and they were they were really going so far afield of what made her successful. And I feel like if she doesn't come back, she preserves that legacy forever. But if she does come back, there's a chance of them totally fucking it up and somebody coming out with a baby carriage and cutting awful promos. And I was there Bring back on Charlotte in Brooklyn 
and god damn that was electric like people went more nuts for that than anything else on that show speaking of charlotte you guys saw the news that apparently there was some beef between the nxt like writing and triple h and all them and 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 raw because when they had charlotte for the uh or was it smackdown when charlotte was going over to nxt and right and she was going to fight she fought ripley at mania and anyway apparently raw turned down every single thing that was pitched about charlotte uh in nxt and they just couldn't work anything out and you know yeah i don't know i saw that today but they're open for business to work with other companies yeah apparently (laughs) like evolve (laughs) speaking of number seven dynamite or nxt what do you think had the better show let's let's break it down Let's go through uh, Dynamite first. Um, I thought the uh, Young Bucks match uh, was a great showcase of the Bucks. I, I I just I don't know, man. It's just this hybrid. They just they just punch like such losers. That's my only problem with them. Um, you just never been in the nightclubs, dude. <laughs> you got to have a beat in your head to understand those punches. <laughs> oh, I I would one hundred percent believe that Dan has had friends that look like Jack Evans in his past. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Molly with him. Uh, yeah, he definitely has a phone <laughs> number. It's not friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, there's a. It was a. It was a great Darby package. I thought it was a fun Sting promo for what you know they they kept it short, so that was great. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a really good show. The only thing that was a real, the only thing that was like tough for me was, uh, the. The Shaq stuff, which I, I just don't understand what the fuck they're doing there. I understand they're trying to get eyes on the product, but I mean, what is this? You know, like usually like when the celebrities, the heel, you have far, you know, you get much better stuff, but like they made Shaq the heel last night. And it was just kind of confusing. I didn't really get it. Uh, what, what do you think, Scott? I thought the Shaq thing was short enough, and I hope that whatever match or matches it leads to, I hope they are also short. I understand you have to do tie-ins for some reason. Uh, Snoop Dogg is going to be on commentary January 6th, right? That ties in with that show that Shaq is on with them. I get it. Snoop Dogg um, was so good on, uh, for during the Tyson Jones fight. That was like – Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we just we – just, gotta hope that they stop promoting that show soon and and then we're in the clear that that's how i view that i thought the rest of the show was awesome me and mike were super excited about the 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 pacing of it i don't know i was just so impressed at um nothing felt too rushed and the things that did feel rushed made me feel excited like the fact that the bucks and uh and th2 what are we calling them um didn't have entrances. I liked that. We got to the action quick. I thought it was an awesome match. Um, I loved the Omega and Callus promo. And o- o- Omega is probably my favorite pro wrestler. But I cringe when he cuts promos. I sit there anxiously knowing he's bombing a little bit, you know, um, or he's dragging. But I thought this was fucking awesome. I rewatched it again. Wait, you today. stopped defending him to us like six months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, I had to because you know there, there there was a weirdness to his promos, and then in this, he like leaned in on it in moments, especially when Dude, when I, when he I was saying how it was art. The match was art, and it was like a and, and he he really leaned in on 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 the, the cornets of the world uh, and and how they talk about him. I thought it was amazing. I, I mean, 
I loved it. I loved the helicopter thing. Yeah, I'm disappointed that they didn't reveal a thing. I'm more disappointed that this whole belt collector thing, I, I don't know how it's going to work if you're not even acknowledging that you have this AAA title and you're defending it on Saturday. Does that mean he's losing it on Saturday? How is that not the thing you say? Oh, also, I'm going to Mexico on Saturday. He tweeted it, but he didn't say it on AEW. And it, when I see that, I, I go, oh, this is business. This is Tony Khan and Triple A's deal maybe not being what we think it is. And Khan or somebody saying, hey, don't mention them on our network because blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. There's like a business side to it. But I was disappointed he didn't acknowledge that. Uh, and I and I wish they revealed something. But, oh, dude, and then the main event. I mean, come on. There's a lot to talk about on the show. The fact that the main event was two essentially homegrown talents in MJF and Orange Cassidy. And, you know, it had so many eyes on it because of Sting, because of Omega. Neither of them started their hours. So you really had to – they were banking on people tuning in to this entire episode to see a great show. And and I did not love the Miro – the oh, I loved that. I loved the Miro ending. It, and, and I also loved how it cut back to MJF during all of it. And he's just laying in the ring like I won fair and square in the center of the ring. That was great. I, I thought the whole show well, was the, a blast. Well, the thing about AEW that I, I really do like is that they are smart. They feel like a living, breathing company. The fact that Sting was in the opening after just one week of being there like that's brilliant to me like he's gonna be here he's part of the company that's it like maybe they filmed other new stuff but it was like because the show did feel different it was more more squash type matches yeah but i like that because it felt like okay here's our real stars and here's the kind of jabronis that are also here like yeah, the I, FTR and Varsity Blonde wasn't your back and forth indie match. It was an FTR match, you know. And and I think you kind of AEW forgets that sometimes. Indie matches in general forget that sometimes, where everyone has to be back and forth. No, you need superior shit. The the Abaddon, you know, squash was like a minute perfect. That's what it, it. should have been. Loved it. Because you get more, like, I care about her more now than if I saw her in a 10-minute back and forth with that the woman that was on yesterday. Like, I don't know who she is. She was a jobber, and I love jobbers. But have more jobbers. D Dustin 10 should have never happened, though. And no. I also, I know that apparently they filmed this last Thursday, and they actually took out a few minutes of the Bucks uh, Hybrid 2 match. They act, somehow they edited around it and they and they removed some time because they wanted, you know, things to fit. I guess when they decided to film the Shaq thing or whatever the hell. Um, well, if there's one big complaint about indie type matches and, and that opening match is that you easily can trim as much time from it and you're still getting the same match. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's like, I don't know who these characters are. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know what on on Helico is. What his gimmick is, what his character is. Uh, what's that? Let's save that. Robert. Oh, okay. Robert, I'm sorry. What did you think? Uh, I thought that this entire show was, it felt like filler for two hours because they knew that in the promos, they were promoting Sting, they were promoting Shaq, they were promoting Kenny Omega, and they were promoting the Inner Circle segment. And in all of those segments, I wrote, wow, nothing happened in all four of those segments, which is fine because you already got the eyeballs. This felt, this was the first time I watched this in a long time. Where I felt like, oh, I'm watching Nitro. 
um, where your promos for the show are much more impressive than the show itself. You got the, the one opportunity where Sting goes out there and it's just, hey, this is cool, it's Sting, but you don't get to do that very often going forward. Uh, Shaq was there and he was sitting in a, in a chair and I'm like, as soon as I saw Tony Schiavone drinking water, it's like uh, Chekhov's gun, but I'm like, all right, someone's going to get poured with the water on. And Brandy was coming across as kind of heelish, but it's obvious they're going to set up a mixed tag match at some point down the road to promote all the other stuff. They'll, they'll be the first company to get Shaq in the ring properly. WWE couldn't do it. WCW couldn't do it. That's going to be the feather in their cap. Like they tried with Tyson. Um, Sting doesn't need to cut promos really. Cause he's, he's three different characters at once. He's, the mythical Undertaker monster sting. He's the babyface sting we've seen in, on the Patreons. And then and he's Steve Borden. He's Steve Borden, the guy who's literally chanting, this is awesome, into the microphone. And he's just like, this yeah. is so cool. I'm a 61-year-old guy out of the house, and I'm wearing face paint. This is awesome, guys. Yeah, was Sting always that lighthearted? I really liked it, but I was like, this was wasn't how Sting was. Cool white meat baby face Sting from. Oh, okay. He was so happy. I was like, how is him and Darby going to work? Like, I also think that they don't gonna know what they're going to be like, Darby, do you want to – it's just him sitting with them. Do you want a souvenir? I don't think they know what they're doing. I think they're just trying to buy time. It's the same thing with Kenny and Dom, where it's like, oh, don't don't tell them our next big surprise, because I don't think that they necessarily have the payoffs lined up. Yeah, I I think what I realized (laughs) last night with the Kenny and Dom thing is, oh, shit, we all got very excited about what happened last week. But the truth is Impact has a month of tapings in the can and they're not going to go crazy. Uh, so we might have to wait a little while until anything eventful happens with that, which right. kind of sucks. And it was, and then you got to this... hope Moxley comes back yeah. too. And it was clear so. they taped this at a different time. Than they did the impact thing because Kenny in both impact and this, like for the first time in years, he's going to do whatever the fuck that gun thing was. Yeah. Though the yeah. one thing I like about AEW that they do is they acknowledge the broader continuity of pro wrestling. Sting was in the ring with Arn Anderson and they're like, these guys know each other and they hate each other from years ago. Don and Kenny bringing up the Montreal screw job, which came from another company. It's like, we get that there's something else. Referencing Dustin as seven, you're acknowledging other companies and that these guys don't simply exist within this bubble in this company. And there's other shit that's going on is, is it it's when it's done effectively, it does work. And I feel like they are right now kind of doing that effectively. They're stealing other people's IP without really stealing it. Also, even at base level, if like, let's not get our hopes up. Right. What if this is just there is a pandemic, shit is really hard for all of these companies, and AW, even if it's just one week's of a ratings boost for, for impact, or um, you know, if they do, you know, they're already working with NWA. If he just jumps here and there and just makes appearances places that gets eyes on a product, while let's be honest, in a few months, some of these places might be going out of business like a final like a final hopefully this gets you some viewers do what you will with it well all tuesday did was make me okay with impact going out of business (laughs) 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 no (laughs) i will not be sad about that i i i i see what you're saying but i mean ultimately the big problem is presentation and AEW's presentation is bar none better than anybody else's. I think it's even better than WWE. So I, mean, I like you do all this presentation a lot, but do you? Yeah, I think that's my big issue. So every week we talk about NXT. NXT is always a great show. Always, I would say they might have the best roster in the world. Maybe I, I probably wouldn't say that, but I 
I could say. They're very good. It's a very good roster. It's a damn good roster, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I know what factory it's coming from. I understand the the glass ceiling. I'm not expecting anything too outside of the box. When you're watching AEW, it feels like a show is being made in front of you. It feels like there's a bunch of wrestlers who are trying to make something cool with each other. Uh, I, so it's like incomparable. There is no week that NXT is better than AEW ever for me because yeah. – AEW is just so authentically guys who are trying to make something cool. Whereas NXT is this thing that I have been sold my entire life. And, and they've really, they've really made it um, like so like branded. It's just very, it's all the same to me. And it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because what, what you're pointing out is the reason why AEW feels the way it is, is because they have Keith Mitchell and they're basically doing WCW nitro. And when you mm. watched nitro nitro beat raw for so long, because raw was incredibly formulaic and it was usually taped and they never did anything daring. And nitro always felt like, wait, this wasn't supposed to happen. You know, you're getting a shitty match, and then all of a sudden, the NWO runs out of nowhere. So every segment feels like something could happen. Absolutely. WWE is is cut and dry, and they they have their their run sheets. They know what they're doing, but they can't take the risks AEW can because WWE is still a publicly traded company. And as long as this gets it. people to tune in enough of an audience, and they're able to just re, you know recreate it week after week. Who gives a fuck? There's no reason to take the risk. AEW can take the risk, and they're basically doing WCW, but eventually that can that could flame out on them. But I think it's different than WCW because it's like you have some of that lucha stuff, but that that can sometimes be in the main event. You can have your comedy characters, but like last night, they can be in the main event. I, I think what I prefer, like. This is what I gathered this week, and I hate to say this, and maybe I'm the only one. NXT just feels like impact with the budget. Like, I just don't yeah, – to me, if, when you don't have an excited fan base, wrestling doesn't make sense. It, it's like – so when you go to AEW and there's a 1,000 people and they're reacting to shit, like the Kenny promo was better on Wednesday than Tuesday because he did the good night – bang thing and no one reciprocated oh. because they hate him now you're telling a story but it's like NXT... segment just quickly mike uh how yeah. funny was it when tony started out being like this is the worst thing i've ever seen and he had to do commentary of the judy bagwell match <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way this is the worst thing you've ever seen dude <laughs> yeah and i and i think that like the mix of you know aw is a mix of like like you're kind of saying, Robert, it's it's two parts. It's Giovanni and Ross, but then also Excalibur. And Excalibur gets to matter too. And so it feels forward thinking and, and new and exciting in many ways, minus the women, um, that, you know, no other company does. Like I watched War Games on Sunday and I just don't know why anything is even happening. And it's not, it's no longer a farm system. Like these guys either just stay here forever. You know, it's like, it's been four years. I think your era is disputed at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like what are, they just look like kids trying to take over a clubhouse. Well, I, I still I don't know about that. It's still I, 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 I will say this though. It, it, Mike is right in the sense that something that made NXT so cool was 
you had uh, Shinsuke and Samoa Joe, and then they were gone in a year. And then you had this new batch, you know, and you had Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and they were gone within a year. And then you, and then you had Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and it's five years later, you know. And why are they? You know, it's it's it isn't that fluid farming system anymore. And that yeah. was part of the reason it was so fucking cool, was because. You know, yeah, we knew they were going to get ruined on the main roster, but in NXT, they were pure. But now what's happening is they're staying on NXT and they're going to start getting ruined. Yeah. And they, we're not used to that. And stick on AEW for a second. I loved the, um, just backtracking a little bit, I loved the Darby package that they did. Um, but I really want to see the next one just being like Sting bringing Darby to the zoo, like doing all this stuff that Darby's dad never did for him. <laughs> when i was your age i wrestled nikita koloff can you say nikita koloff <laughs> see guys my takeaway from that segment was AEW provides healthcare where they can get uh psychiatric evaluations like that's kind of nice though shivani shivani had vintage terrible wcw tony shivani a few times especially during the finish of the show when Miro was attacking the security guards. And Tony goes, I, I hope that guy doesn't have a family. And if he does, I hope they're not watching the show. Like you're actively <laughs> saying, I hope these people are not watching AEW Dynamite. I'm fine with that. I kind of dug it. Uh, I, I was, it. I, I was, I, I, let's go through NXT just real quick. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I actually thought, I mean, I know I'm going to probably get, and I'm going to get ripped apart for this. But my favorite segment on both shows, and I thought AEW was a better show, without a doubt. But my favorite segment was, uh, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, was that weird Asian, spooky Asian segment where Zia Lee and the other guy are getting like, like Batman Begins, like training and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was just like a really, it made me give a shit about two characters I really have not given a shit about. Um, but also what happened on the show, um, are uh, uh yes swerve scott i guess is turning into a heel which i think is a better fit for him uh carrying cross is back and he's yeah, got he's back. yeah he's got such a cool package going and it almost felt like they were building the women's royal rumble at the very end because they just had all these like square offs with all their talent um but yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fine show. It wasn't anything spectacular. Um, Mike, we know a little bit about what you feel about the show. Scott, what did what did you think was uh, worked well? What do you think didn't work well on the show? Oh, I, I mean, I, I I did really like the show. I I thought uh, Karrion Cross both parts of the night when when Scarlet came out in the beginning with the whole Balor thing. I actually did like that. Uh, I I don't know how Priest plays into this because he he lost on Sunday. So I don't know how he gets to be like, I want to fight for the title. I don't understand that. Um, but I do like the match set up for next week. And I actually like their, I believe they only have one match set up for next week. Right. And I like it more than everything on AEW so far that's being announced, which is um, Kushida and. Uh, Leon Ruff. Yeah. And Ruff, right. Yeah. Um, teaming up to fight um, Gargano and. Uh, Austin Theory. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked that. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a. It's always a good show. It's always a good show, but it's it's also like very, it's empty. There's an emptiness to it. It's just going through the motions. About, you talk about as, as a as a roaster. I know Scott, you roasted Dan. You roasted. We've all written on roast and stuff. The, the insults between Pete Dunn 
Kyle O'Reilly and Damian Priest made me so offended as a comedian. Oh, dude, wait till you watch just any episode of Raw. I know. Oh, I know. I have, <laughs> and it's just, and that's what that's what's interesting Raw, is that I'm calling everyone a bonehead. NXT, like, I don't know when it happened where they have that exact stilted cadence that the WWE guys do. Like when Gargano and and, and Candice LeRae, uh, you know, they were talking, like, there was a little more natural chemistry, their husband and wife, but it's still, they can't break that cadence, which I say to the point of AEW just quickly, like, I thought it was brilliant to showcase MJF as much as they did last night. He was, like, in three different segments his promo and... was unbelievable backstage too his yeah, promo was great because he talks he talks like a person the inner circle uh segment ruled the uh the wardlow hager thing like i le- legitimately popped on my couch for my it. favorite thing about that segment was jericho patching up the because i'm like i got so annoyed at last week's segment when they did the whole throwing in the towel thing and i'm like well this Hated is ridiculous because all they got to do is rewatch dynamite again and then Jericho yeah. said that. He said, we all watch Dynamite. We know what happened. I was like, thank God this company, like, like nobody's an idiot in this company. Yeah, I actually, I, I thought the inner circle looked awesome. And there was this weird feeling all week that we're not going to get the Dynamite we're used to anymore. They've kicked into another speed. They signed Sting. They're doing this impact thing. They're going to be revealing other things. And they're going to be pushing for a million, you know, and until they get a million, they're not going to be happy. And they want a consistent million. And I was like, oh, we're not going to get the things we love about it anymore. And I thought this week, even though it had like 10 or 11 segments on it, we still got the AEW we're used to. And the show started with it and ended with it. Uh, to end on on MJF and the inner circle being there and Orange Cassidy and the best friends coming out. It's like, I don't know. It, it, it made me uh, happy knowing and that. You got you JR know. calling somebody a Jezebel too, which. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a compliment to that Shaq segment, which is that I'm glad that it was bad and not just boring. Yeah, the worst go. thing that wrestling can be is boring. Like the when Jade Cargo came out a couple weeks ago and tried cutting a promo on Cody, and then Brandy called her a heifer. It, it was a train wreck, but it was an entertaining train wreck. Yeah. It was unpredictable in that I didn't know how messy and insane it was going to get. Rob, uh, did you like Dynamite or NXT better? So. Again, I think this is another issue of you're comparing uh, apples to oranges here because I think what NXT did, NXT was was not a flashy show in any in any regard. They were trying to reestablish that the title is important and people care about Finn Balor as the champion. Uh, I and I made that argument last week, and I liked NXT last week better than the the big flashy dynamite. This week, NXT definitely dragged for me watching a lot of the segments and the thing that really surprised me the most is the one thing that they built up effectively is carrying cross and then his return was so uneventful because it wasn't the spooky weird bullshit we're used to he was a guy in a leather jacket who came out of nowhere who beat someone up and then drove off in a car and i'm like you you he's too soon to humanize him he still has a lot of that uh sports entertainment aura around him that yeah, they should somebody should have like that. went through quicksand should have been involved. Especially because it was so embarrassing because Scarlett comes out in the beginning of the show with like this spiky, like 
Lady Gaga looking outfit. And then you see her sitting in the car and she's still wearing the spike. Like, I'm like, the spike. And like, how did she get into the car? And that's not what I should have been thinking. It should have been, what a cool segment instead of, that must be really painful. I'm sure she's waiting for them to call cut. But uh, I, I think I think NXT eventually is is going to to pull out all the stops. So I I, I mean I I just read and I I know I texted um Dan this earlier that TNA drew better in eighteen to thirty four than NXT did. So uh, they they definitely got to do something and 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 they have the power to. That's why I always get so nervous. It's like you know, you could just open up the floodgates and just insert whoever they want. Which I mean, scares they have, me. They could have Undertaker on NXT every week, you know? But if that's, they what they to, did, they that's what they did when they brought back ECW and they got nervous about the ratings and all of a sudden it's like, well, it's Ric Flair versus Batista in the main event of ECW. Yeah, and it's such a disservice to these guys who are awesome. Right. But they're trying to take away as many fans from AEW as possible. Well, it's also the lower the ratings get on 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 Raw and SmackDown, the less of an effective trick that is, and it's just diminishing returns. You could you can only do that so much, yeah. you know. It's it's interesting because yeah, last year Survivor Series, you know, was so based around NXT and all of that, and this year they weren't at all. And they're like, we we helped you, you're good now. And I mean, the the truth is, the ratings do kind of even last night, you know, like the ratings did kind of stay the same, you know, because NXT was a little higher, but you know, and I'm sorry, AEW was a little higher. NXT would have had like 650 or like yeah, six, 659,000 for NXT. AEW had 995,000. AEW was number two on all of cable and number one on all of cable with males, 18 to 49. Thanks Alvarez. I read Alvarez's tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so NXT is keeping the people that they have, but AEW is trying to get new people. But AEW, the only way you can watch it is if you watch it on TNT on Wednesday. NXT is on the network, so there's yeah, no urgency unless you have to record a fucking podcast like we do. And then it's like, I got to watch both by before Thursday or else I'm not going to know what to talk about. And look, I, maybe, maybe WWE is hoping that – AEW is going to jump the gun and you know make it a predominantly sting show and then next thing you know they're going to fucking hire buff bagwell or something um and then they can focus on you know the adam coles and these younger talents over on nxt and then fans would switch over i think that's what would switch fans over is if they stopped giving us the the young guys uh but they learn you know i mean they're clearly wcw fans and they know the mistake they made i just don't see it happening here yeah, I don't see. It. I don't see it happening either. I think the best thing that could happen to WWE creatively, it would not be a good thing to happen to them financially. But if one of their shows didn't exist anymore, whether it was Raw, SmackDown, or NXT, just get rid of a chunk of time. I mean, you know, like <laughs> my favorite would have been, you know, keep SmackDown on Friday and move NXT to Monday, and just you know, like, hey, have a series finale of Raw. It's, but, uh, but Raw is the Raw is the name, right? I, I, I know SmackDown still does like double Raw's numbers, but is it's still not the name though? You don't think it is? You think people the identify- numbers matter more than the name? Damn. I mean, I, SmackDown's a name now, you know. Well, and yeah. what Dan's SmackDown's saying is that's 
what Dan's saying is that's already seven hours of commitment if you're not talking any pay-per-views. That's just it's a lot. It's just a lot. A I, lot. I, I love wrestling. I don't need to watch that much wrestling. Yeah, but they know that and they don't need you to watch that much wrestling. Because I was watching <laughs> Raw on Monday and the amount of recaps and packages and replays, it was so much it was like I thought at one point I thought it was a joke. Like I thought they saw my tweet and like we're just gonna fuck with you and everything <laughs> play. And the replays were three minutes long. And I get when you're formatting a show, that's going to eat up a lot of time. And it's great. And Vince's idea is always, you never know if it's going to be a new audience. You need to tell your story. But you don't need to replay what happened with Dana Brooke and Mia Yim with dramatic music and make some fucking poor editor have to cut this. No one <laughs> well, needs the, to see The editing team is still the best thing about wrestling in general. Oh, yeah. Because so. they're non-union. Because anybody can sit in front of an editing machine <laughs> oh, and edit. Jesus, you're like fucking... <laughs> Boss Hog over there. <laughs> it was great. Oh. We got the janitor in there, and they can go and cut packages. You do also have to acknowledge the pandemic. Um, but with the pandemic, I would say, yeah, WWE would come off better because there'd be a full arena. But holy shit, all of AEW stuff this last year, but with a full crowd. I mean, that's the best. That's the best show still, you know. So we wouldn't have gotten. But the thing is, it feels like a full crowd now because Sometimes, but smaller, I, I, I mean. I still get pissed sometimes, man. There's some moments that deserve AEW has benefited tremendously from the pandemic just because from a, from a political standpoint, trying to book arenas, there are a number of arenas that have deals with WWE. WWE has it in all their contracts with any arena they run that you can't run another wrestling show within a certain window of time, X amount of weeks before and after. And they also can start weeding out arenas that book alternate companies. So that's what's always stifled impact ring of honor or any of these other companies from getting a larger venue aew by having to run daily's place since march and building this fan base there are arenas that are now willing to take the risk and book an aew show if wwe says fuck off because it looks like aew is going to stick around numbers oh yeah number eight we're going to start a new segment it's called creative has nothing for you where we ask robert about uh his time at wwe and an old angle that he worked on if you guys hate it We'll stop doing it. If you love it, we'll keep doing more. Uh, this week, uh, Robert um, wanted to lay the groundwork and just talk about how the creative team was set up during his tenure. Robert? Yes. Yeah, so uh, thanks for springing this uh, segment on me earlier today in a text. That was uh, that I, was I, great. I, I yeah, you, last night, you texted me last night, but I was, oh, it, was it was late. I go to you sleep. Can't at, fucking like, think of one Eddie Guerrero anecdote or something. <laughs> I, I can think of one, but what I wanted to explain because when people always say, you know, why is it there's not long term storytelling? Why is Raw such a mess or SmackDown such a mess? This was an actual. This was our actual work week. Uh, at WWE. And at this point in time, Raw was on Monday. SmackDown, we moved to Friday when I was there. So our standard work week would start on a Wednesday and go through a Tuesday. Wednesday, we would have Wednesday morning off. We would go into the office around 12, 1230. And then the, the different writing teams, the Raw writing team, the SmackDown writing team would sit in different rooms and start brainstorming. Thursday morning, we would script our, our individual show. I'm just and Since I was on SmackDown at that time, I'm just going to say the SmackDown side of it. We would script it. Then we all at the end of the day sit down with Stephanie and we pitch what we have for that week's show. And it's based on grids that we've laid out saying, here's how many weeks we are to the next pay-per-view. Here's how many weeks we are to the next major pay-per-view. Here are the storylines we're telling. We go through the entire show page by page, segment by segment. Here's what the promos are. Here's what the matches are. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Stephanie gives her feedback. Thursday night, we rewrite the show. 
Friday, we come in, we get everything set up for our meeting with Vince. The reason you have to meet with Stephanie first. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. What is it like when something bombs in front of Stephanie? Like, what are her tells? Uh, she, she, she just tells you, I don't like that. That doesn't make any sense. And she, but she's usually a little bit more savvy and you know how to pitch it to her. Her concern is less, does it make sense to me? And more, she's the Vince whisperer. And it's like, how can I explain this to my dad so he's going to understand what you're trying to say? So you can't use a 10-syllable word. You have to use a one-syllable word. And if she's in favor of it on Thursday, you have a fighting chance of Friday getting in front of Vince. And the Friday Vince meeting depends entirely on Vince's mood. If, if the meeting is on time, if it's at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you're doing okay. If this meeting has gotten pushed to 5 or 6 o'clock because he was in seven other business meetings, he's going to be in a, a foul mood. And then if he's eating during the meeting and he would get this disgusting like steak wrap where it was literally just like steak in a tortilla that he would doubt he would just drown in ketchup and no one else is allowed to eat. We all have to sit there and you never know when you're going to be able to eat or not like prisoners. So you could have been sitting there for seven, eight hours on call. But if he's there, he's eating. And if he gets it, you're fine. If he doesn't get it, you have no chance of really being able to explain it. It's just I don't like it. That shit come up with something else. So then your Friday night is rewriting the show, and then I would have to fax the script page by page to Vince of all of Raw and all of SmackDown because he doesn't know how to open an email attachment. So I, I couldn't leave until I got the confirmation back that the fax had gone through. Then Saturday morning, we have to drive to the office to have a conference call with Vince, who's at home 10 minutes down the road in Greenwich, and we do the entire show over again like he's an Alzheimer's patient, as if he's never seen any of this before, and he comes up with brand new things that, oh, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. Well, it made sense to you yesterday. We then have to rewrite the show again Saturday for the plane ride on Sunday. And on the plane ride on Sunday, Vince goes through Raw. He goes through SmackDown. He has another round of edits as if he's never seen the shows before and forgets where we're going. You get to Raw on Monday. You have an agent meeting. The agent meeting is, is when you finally realize that we are the nerds in high school and they are the jocks. And Vince just puts up with us until he's with his jock friends. And when he's pitch when and when they're going over the script, he makes whoever the lead writer is read the show, and Vince will just take pot shots at them, like look at this Poindexter over here. He's timing out segments and putting commercial breaks in. What a fucking loser! Is and that if, true? He like he like uh... oh, he'll, yeah, he'll he'll take shots at guys because it's it's because he's he needs to play up to the to the boys. Like Arn, can you believe this guy? You think he can lift weights? <laughs> Give him a swirly. Yeah, a friend of mine, that that reminds me of a friend of mine. Um, he went with a very famous showrunner. Uh, they did this like before, like, um, you know, they like they got before they were writing that season. Um, they all went to camp together as some sort of like bonding experience, which like I'll if I ever run a room, I will never fucking do that, by the way. That's the, worst, that's, 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 that's the grossest thing ever. But like they got there and they thought it was, it was a kumbaya thing. And it was just like the showrunner like making fun of my friend's outfit the whole trip. <laughs> like, <laughs> my vacation day. That sounds that sounds that sounds about right. Um, and and you feel so vulnerable because it's it's Vince now ripping the show to try to like get over with his buddies, but he forgets this week's episode is building to something that's three weeks away, that's eight weeks away. We're telling a long story. The agents aren't privy to all that. We send them the scripts. They don't read them. They don't care. They're just like, ah, hey, you know what? I think uh, uh, this guy needs a win tonight. He should go over instead. But I love it. Let's change it. I'm like, well, okay, you've changed this. You've knocked this one domino over. So now the other 30 don't make sense. And it's, sh it's show day and you have no one-on-one -on -one time with Vince after. Then after the agent meeting, you have to have a production meeting where you go over the show again 
and they're giving all of their technical feedback. Then you break to go do pre-tapes when the wrestlers are going to have their opinion. And you'd be like, hey, here's what we got for you tonight. And if they don't like it, they're going to go to Vince and they're going to complain like, I'm not saying this shit. Fuck this. I don't want to do this. Let's change it. Then you're changing the show again up until the point it goes on the air. And Vince is saying it's not going on the air because it's good. It's going on the air because it's eight o'clock or nine o'clock, whatever it is. Then you do this all over again on Tuesday with SmackDown where you're, you're now having the agent meeting and the production meeting and pre-tapes and, and dealing with talent to then get the show on the air and then flying home Tuesday night, pretty late at night, just to start over on Wednesday. So that's a standard week when you're living your dream job on WWE Creative, where all these things that you think you're pitching that are brilliant on Wednesday have been murdered and turned into hamburger meat by Monday or Tuesday. And the internet's bitching at you like these fucking writers don't know what they're doing. None of these stories make sense. This is disjointed. Here's why. And this, and when I've spoken to people who were there fairly recently, it's still pretty much the same setup now in 2020 that it was in, in 2005. So the fact that it even makes it on the air every week is a fucking miracle. And you were there from the uh, 2005 to 2006, right? Yeah. 2007? I was there for I was there for a year. It must be known that that anxiety-inducing 10 minutes was inspired by Dan saying, tell us a fun story about when you worked there. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, I will say this, Robert. The least fun story in the world. I just, I think I just. You made me feel like I was working there. Like I started to All right, sweat. Well, guys, yeah. Tweet at Robert and us. If like there's a time from 2005, there's a particular angle that you want to know more about. Next week, we're going to talk about Eddie Guerrero and Batista's feud. Uh, please uh, tweet, give us some ideas. Let us know. Number nine, Scott's New Japan Corner. Oh, hello, boys. Okay, Friday morning. This morning, possibly. Tomorrow morning for some of you. Uh, it is the uh, Tag League and uh, Best of Super Juniors final. Um, in the uh, Best of Super Juniors final, you have uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado. That is the main event of the night. It'll it'll be really great, I'm sure. Um and the the uh, the final for the uh, World Tag League is uh, Finn Juice, which is David Finley, Fit Finley's uh, son. He actually he got in really great shape over over uh, you know. Yeah, I heard quarantine. he's like lighting it up right now. Yeah, yeah, man, he looks awesome. He's got new gear. Uh, and uh, Juice Robinson, third team, they're 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 gonna be fighting uh, God uh, from the Bullet Club, uh, Tama Tonga and Tongaloa. Uh, and then other than that, it's just other matches that will set up matches for Wrestle Kingdom, which not a lot has been announced. Kingdom now. It's 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 Osprey. Yeah, it's Osprey versus Okada to see who the best in the world is. That's that storyline, I guess. You know, um Osprey turned on Okada. Uh we don't have a match set for Tanahashi yet. Uh I think Jeff Cobb versus Shingo for the never open weight is definitely gonna be announced, but it hasn't been announced yet. And then you have um, Ibushi versus Naito on night one, and then the winner of that on night two fighting Jay White. So, I mean, that's it so far. But you have two nights and not much announced. Uh, but tomorrow will definitely be a fun show because, you know, it'll, it, it'll build to all the matches. And then also Saturday night is the Super J Cup, which is a one-night tournament. Uh, that's being filmed in, I think, L.A. or where, you know, wherever. Yeah, the L.A. Dojo. Uh, and that's going to have Chris Bay on it, uh, which I also think on Saturday he has a match against Rich Swan. 
<laughs> on Impact. Uh, those matches will probably be happening at the same time. Um, Leo Rush is going to be there. ACH is going to be there. Uh, TJ Perkins, El Fantasmo, Blake Christian, Ray Horace. So that is Saturday night, and you'll find out the winner of that. Scott? On Saturday night, too. So, yeah, we're going to get a bunch of tournament winners. That's, that, that's it. I have a, nice. a, a question. Robert, um, did anyone ever try to get a zinger back at Vince or the agent? Not in, not in the agent meeting, no. No, you, you sat quietly and you and you took your lumps. Uh, Vince's humor is uh, very it's it's very juvenile and it depends on the moment. Um, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna get in a laugh with like a bond mot, but if you like if you rip ass and you're just like I don't know what that was, he'll he'll lose his shit. And I'm dying to find he out. Sounds awesome. I'm dying to find out who that guy that got fired for offending Vince was in March. Oh, uh, it was Krista uh, Joseph. Yeah, what what joke was that? I don't. I keep wanting to ask him because I worked with him, and I'm like, I want to know what the fuck you said. My guess is he probably didn't say it to offend Vince. Somebody that was sensitive overheard it, like a civilian, and they were probably horribly offended because I can't imagine anything penetrating Vince's skin to offend him, except for Titus O'Neil hugging him. Number ten, <laughs> Kenny Omega keeps referencing. Dave Meltzer, should they bring Dave in and how should they use him? Originally, I was like, bring in Meltzer for one pay-per-view and have him um, just typing on the side of the ring the whole time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like on a typewriter. But you know what? I thought of a way better idea. Have him on every week. He's the third dancing girl. Okay? Give him a hula hoop. I don't give a shit. I want to see that motherfucker. I want to see that motherfucker work. I want to see some real work rate from Dave Meltzer. Uh, should they use him, Mike? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think only only with Tony Khan, so you see how normal Tony Khan is. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm still on the fence about Callus. I think Callus is good, but like, but they at least have chemistry. I mean. No, God, no. And also, um, <laughs> the girls would then just have to clean up all the cum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I definitely want him out there. I want him out there for for Kenny's matches, and I want a big board behind him. And after the match, Kenny points to him, and he puts stars up on there, like a manual <laughs> version of Star Search. Dude, and if he threw stars like a ninja, how fucking great would that be? I want him putting him up there, and then I want at one point for him to, like, not give Kenny five stars, and Kenny goes up there to, like, rough him up, and he, like, forces him to put the other stars up there. I think that's, like, this weird Stockholm Syndrome thing with with uh, Meltzer with a star board would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I think what would actually happen is he would just sit in the crowd with a sign that he holds up with an arrow pointing down that said, this is all because of me. Because I truly <laughs> believe he thinks it is. Oh, he yeah. thinks that AEW is because yes, of him. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely, definitely, as as Meltzer would say. <laughs> so, uh, what I really want, I know Omega. What it looks like, what we know so far, is each week he will be showing up in a new mode of transportation. I do want this to eventually turn into Kenny leaving one night in whatever mode of transportation it is, and Moxley following him on a motorcycle. I want there to be a chase scene. I want him to ride it off the road. I want it to be crazy. I want it to look really cool and cinematic. And during it, like, think of that opening scene in The Goonies 
instead of Chunk noticing the high-speed chase past the window, it's just Dave Meltzer <laughs> pushing his face against the window, watching a high-speed chase go by. <laughs> That's all I who, want. Who do you think hates uh, him more, wrestlers or real journalists? Do <laughs> <laughs> you think real journalists know who Dave <laughs> Yeah. You think Seymour Hirsch is sitting around being like, man, if only I could write that Meltzer. <laughs> Let me say, I think, I think Woodward does, but Bernstein doesn't. <laughs> I think they're jealous as fuck of him. Do you have any idea how easy his job must be compared to literally any other journalist in the world? Like, what is he What is he writing about? He's writing about a fictional show as if it's real. And then when they want stories, he just calls the guys. He's like, what are you guys doing next week? Oh, okay, I'm going to break it down. Here's my scoop. Who's going to win the fight? Uh, oh, this guy. Okay, thank you. Right. you have a for Dude, Saudi Arabia beheading Dave Meltzer for being a journalist, though? <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a, that was that was one of my roast jokes because I I'm 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 a little annoyed that we never got to roast Flair. I'm very annoyed that we never got to roast Meltzer on the Flair roast. Like, yeah, well, the thing is, is, like I knew what everyone's Flair's jokes were going to be, but I I was like interested to see how people were going to take down Meltzer. So um, this is a bonus number eleven from Mike Lawrence himself. Uh, number 11, what is Angelico? <laughs> Can we just like, determine what this gimmick is? I, I, I thought of it, you know, I thought of it today, and, I, and the best I could come up with was uh, Zoolander's Fluffer. That's as, as close as I can get. Uh, Mike, was the topic you? I don't know. I, I don't know what the hybrid two means. I don't know what I, I know they pronounce it and helico. I, I looked him up a little bit just to see like, okay, because he's, he's, South, he's South African, but he lives in Spain. So they call him Spanish. Um, he kind he looks, I think his gimmick is Chuck Taylor. If he worked out. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> um, Scott, Robert, do you have anything to add? I know this was kind of sprung on last minute. Uh, yeah, Angelico. It's Angelico. No, it's Angelico. Angelico. It's Angelico. Jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is a genie that comes out when you rub a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he always hangs around Jack Evans. <laughs> yeah. yeah when, when he also he kind of looks like. Like when he's not wrestling, he's moonlighting as advertisement for a car dealership. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I remember he always looks like a scuba diver on ecstasy every time <laughs> I see him. It was, it was so funny yesterday. The stipulation was that if the Bucks beat, I mean, if they beat the Bucks, they get a title shot. I'm like, they shouldn't even win once, and I, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so funny because you think they're gonna win. <laughs> yeah, that's that is the story. thing. Of course they're going to win, and then they fucking didn't. So perfect. <laughs> So good. I love AEW. I mean, Jericho had some amazing, and Helico had some amazing moves during that match. Oh, dude, and Jack Evans is, I mean, to me, Jack Evans is a legend. I think they're both awesome. Uh, they're, I mean, they're physically, like, they were made, like, like I said, that was the great AEW starter match for people who have never seen AEW before. But I also, am like, I don't know what this gimmick is. Well, for people sure. who've never seen AWA before, tune into our Patreon this Sunday. <laughs> we're going to be reviewing the uh, AWA Christmas night show. We're talking Bruiser Brody. We're talking Rick Martell. We're talking Kurt Henning. 
all your old favorites uh, in horrible lighting and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys going to be reviewing the match where Vern Gagne killed another old demented man at an old folks home? <laughs> it would have been faster paced than some of these matches. <laughs> Vern Gagne is Julian McCullough's grandpa. Yeah, yeah, he's told me about that. It's, it's amazing. What? Yeah. yeah, it's nuts, right? What? Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, summers at Lake Winnetonka. Wow, did not know that. It's awesome. And I was like, does that mean you're related to Greg Ganya? No, it does not. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for um, tuning in. Let's get the let's get the plugs going. Let's start with you, Mike. Uh, I'm at Mike Lawrence uh, Comedy on Instagram. That's it. Robert. You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH and uh, happy Hanukkah. Yeah. I, I had to oh, rush yeah. Hanukkah early for my kids. I'm like, sorry, guys, we're, we're not waiting until sundown. I have to record a podcast. Uh, so, you know, take so that. Get, how does that work? You get like the, the smaller presents the first night and then it just keeps going up? In theory, yes, but because this is like COVID guilt, we're trying to buy their love because they're not allowed to leave the house. So they're just getting a ton of presents every night. Is it smallest in size or, or, like value. or uh, price? price? Usually, value. You, no, usually you do it like raw. The, your opening present, like your opening segment's big, your closing segment's big, and then everything in the middle is just fucking filler. It's <laughs> it's socks and R-Truth matches. <laughs> <laughs> and not those fun 24-7 ones, like in ring. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, follow uh, me at Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram and listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days with Brendan Sagalo. Yeah, check out my Instagram, Dan St. Germain. I'm on Instagram and putting up new videos there. You know, at least a couple new videos every week. Um, and uh, yeah, rate and subscribe to our podcast. Our shirt makes the perfect Hanukkah gift. Yes, Christmas. and Christmas. For days yeah. two through seven. <laughs> it's a real real night uh five Uh, but uh yeah by by our uh by our uh by our t-shirts and zach you got anything to add before we sign off wash your hands wash your goddamn hands thank you guys and we will uh patreon we'll see you sunday i mean monday morning and uh we'll see you guys uh next week we're just uh cheap ass regular listeners yeah bitches